the chance that we have to be here. I pray that you would speak to our hearts this morning as we look at this idea of the, the truth about change. And change is inevitable in our lives, and uh, change is a, just a part of life. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to learn from your word and, and some principles from your word, and I pray that you guide and direct all that we do. In Jesus' name, I pray these things. Amen. Today we start a new series entitled The Truth About Change. You know, change is one of those constants in life, isn't it? Uh, seasons change. As we see around us, the fall is starting to drop away and the, with the leaves, and it's starting to get colder for times, although it tricks us from moment to moment, doesn't it? And all of a sudden we have 75-degree weather outside. Uh, but nevertheless, it's constantly changing. Uh, people change. Uh, people just change all the, uh, throughout their lives, don't they? Uh, I saw a uh, video where a person was using one of those uh, video apps where they could video themselves, and it had a filter on there that would make them look younger. And they were recording themselves, both the old person and the young person. I guess I, that's kind of a rude way to say it, but uh, nevertheless, and uh, just it was uh, you know they were shocked at how much you know that how much they looked like their younger self. And uh, but you know people change, don't they? And uh, we won't talk about how we change. But anyways, uh, governments change, don't they? For the good or for the bad sometimes. And, you know, it's just part of life. Uh, animals change. Sometimes we, uh, our animals get, that, we get, that we take in and love get older. And it's hard to see them getting older and having diseases that we end up having and everything else. It's just a reminder of our own frailty as well. But a lot of things change. You know, many are resistant to any kind of change. They just want things to just stay the same. And we do things this way. We have always done things this way. And this is the way we'll always do them, right? I heard of a doctor who had to confront one of his patients about his habits. And the doctor said, you are in terrible shape. You've got to do something about it. And first, tell your wife to cook more nutritious meals. Stop working like a dog. And also, inform your wife that you're going to make a budget and she has to stick to it. And have the kids, uh, have, have her keep the kids off of your back so you can relax when you get home. Unless there are some changes like that, that in your life, you're probably going to be dead in a month. And uh, the patient looked at the doctor and said, Doc, this would sound more official if it were coming from you. Uh, could you please call my wife and give her those instructions? And when the fellow got back home, his wife rushed to him and said, I talked to your doctor. And she said, and poor man, you've only got 30 days to live. <laughs> some people are resistant to change. And some changes are positive. A promotion at work or a first day of warmth after a long winter. Or your team finally is doing better and heading to the playoffs. I can't really speak personally to that lately. But uh, nevertheless, you know, things change. Sometimes they're good. Other times, it's painful or negative. The loss of a marriage and loss of a loved one. And getting let go from your job. An accident. And all of these experiences can bring a various emotions of happiness and sadness and joy and even fear. And during some periods of our lives, we wish things would, could just stay as they are forever. When I was first married, I, I just wanted things to stay the way they were for a while. And... Just me and my wife against the world. We had a plan. Five years before we had any children, God had another plan. And a month later, we were pregnant. <laughs> uh, of course, I would never wish that uh, once I had children or even found out that I was pregnant, I was grateful for the Lord's blessings. 
But changes happen. And our plans don't always work out the way we think they would or the way they should. I know that Pastor Reese preached for a year warning all of you that change was coming when you got a new pastor. And that's not the focus of what I'm preaching on today. (laughs) Don't worry. Calm down. Uh, But he warned you against saying things like, we've never done it that way before, Pastor, right? I've heard jokingly that many times since I've been here. But, you know, the truth is changes happen. I recently heard someone about someone asking why the U.S. standard railroad gauge, the distance between the rails, is four feet, eight inches, and uh, eight and one-half inches. Uh, exactly. And why such an odd number? And uh, Well, it's because that's the way they built them in England. And the American railroads were built by British expatriates. And well, why did the English adopt such a particular gauge? Well, because the people who built the pre-railroad tramways used that gauge. Uh, They, in turn, were locked in that gauge because the people who built the tramways used the same standards and tools that were used for building wagons, which were set at a gauge of four feet, eight and one-half inches. Why were the wagons built to that scale? Because with any other size, the wheels didn't match the old wheel ruts on the road. And so who built these old rutted roads? Well, the first long-distance highways in Europe were built by Imperial Rome for the benefit of the legions. The roads have been in use ever since. The ruts were first made by Roman war chariots. And four feet, eight and one half inches was the width of the chariot needed to be in order to accommodate the rear ends of two war horses. And maybe that's the way, uh, that's the way it's always been isn't the great excuse some people believe it to be, amen? Uh, we don't need to gauge everything we do in this life based on two horses' rear ends. Amen? But at other times, we cannot wait for things to change sometimes. We just can't wait for it to change. When the baby is keeping you awake all night, when grief has begun to set in, when the job becomes monotonous, when the preacher has just begun his sermon, you can't wait for things to change. Some welcome change and innovation, while others fear it greatly. I I read this week, talking about change, how on June 4th, 1783, at the market square of a French village in Annonay, not far from Paris, a smoky bonfire was raised uh, on a raised platform, was fed by wet straw and old wool rags, and tethered above, straining at its lines, was a huge taffeta bag, 33 feet in diameter. In the presence of a respectable assembly and a great many other people, the newspapers said, and accompanied by great cheering, the balloon was cut from its moorings and set free to rise majestically into the noon sky. 6,000 feet into the air it went in the first public ascent of a balloon, the first step towards human flight in the history of mankind. It came to, each, uh, uh, came to earth about several miles away in a field where it was promptly attacked by pitchfork-waving peasants and torn into pieces as an instrument of evil. Some people are hesitant to change. We sometimes just have to realize that change happens. Yet there are many that are resistant to change. Often we look back at times when we wish they could just be the way that they were before. And when your child becomes a teenager... You just, you miss those days when they were so young and depended upon you. When your teenagers move out of the house, 
you begin to realize that those changes have some hurtful and hard, hard things to change in your life and hard feelings. When you've lost a loved one, you wish that it hadn't changed. The writer of Ecclesiastes knew the change that changes a part of life. And he states in Ecclesiastes 3, 1 here, To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. He then goes on to state different seasons in life. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up that which is planted. And he goes on in describing war and construction and mourning and celebration and many other aspects of life. In Ecclesiastes, I want you to show us today some principles regarding change that we need to remember. Number one, this isn't going to be a deep sermon today, okay? It's just going to be a reminder. Number one, change will happen. Change will happen. The only thing that does not change is God. Malachi 3.6 tells us, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. How many of you are glad that God does not change based on that verse? Amen? For the rest of us, we're going to see changes throughout all of our life. It's just going to happen. To everything, there is a season and a time under every, for every purpose under heaven. Now, I want you to see, because change will never happen, we need to just, letter A, accept the change. Just accept the change. There's no point in fighting it. Sure, if evil begins to conquer in an area of our lives, we must stand for right. But speaking of changes in our life, those who fight the change suffer the most. We need to be willing to accept the change that God brings in our lives. The devil would love nothing more than for God's children to be sidetracked by fighting the changes that happen in their lives rather than being focused on sharing the gospel and focusing on the walk with God that he wants you to have through those changes. The walk with God that he's trying to drive you to him in those changes. The truth is change is going to come whether we accept it or not. So we might as well accept the change and see what God is going to do through it. It's hard to believe now, but the potato was once a highly unpopular food. When first introduced into England by Sir Walter Riley, newspapers printed editorials against it, and ministers preached sermons against it. The general public wouldn't touch it. It was supposed to sterilize the soil in which it had been planted, and it, it must cause all sorts of strange diseases, even death, if you ate it. There were, however, a few brave men who didn't believe the propaganda being shouted against it. It was seen as an answer to the famine among the poorer classes and as a helpful and beneficial food. Still, these noblemen in England could not persuade their tenants to cultivate the potato. It was years before all the adverse publicity was overcome and the potato became popular. A Frenchman named Parmentier took a different tack, and he had been a prisoner of war in England when he first heard about this new plant, and his fellow prisoners had protested the uh, outrage of having being forced to eat these potatoes. And Parmentier instead thoughtfully inquired of the methods of cultivating this potato and cooking it and this new food, and upon arrival to France, he procured an experimental farm and planted potatoes. And when he came to die, dig it up, at his own expense, he hired uh, a few soldiers to patrol all the sides of this famous potato patch during the daytime. 
Meanwhile, he conducted, uh, conducted distinguished guests through the fields, digging up a few tubers and, uh, here and there, and they devoured with uh, evident relish these new uh, delicacies. At night, he began to withdraw the guards, and a few days later, one of the guards ran to uh, the, the man and, and with the sad news that the peasants had broken into the potato patch at night and dug up most of the crop. And Parmentier was overjoyed, much to the surprise of his informant, and exclaimed, when the people will steal in order to procure potatoes, their popularity is assured. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I don't recommend encouraging stealing, uh, but, you know, this change that came about in the diets of people around the world helped stave off the starvation of the poor. And change brought good. We have to be willing to not fight against it, but accept change when it comes. It's best to realize change is going to happen. It is best if you just accept it because, letter B, each change has a purpose. Each change has a purpose. Here in verse number one, we're told to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. God has a purpose in allowing every change that comes into your lives. This is not a glib or trite statement. This is reality. Do we understand every purpose? Of course not. But the Lord has a purpose. James 1.17 tells us every Good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no, va uh, no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Change comes with a purpose. We saw with the potato, there was a purpose for bringing that change. You know, we've seen it in travel as well. In the 1800s, the top speed was 20 miles per hour as people traveled by horseback. And with the arrival of the railroad, almost overnight, we jumped to 100 miles per hour. By 1952, the first passenger jet could travel 500 miles per hour. In 1979, the Concorde cruised at more than 1,200 miles per hour. But even back in 1961, the astronauts were orbiting the Earth at 16,000 miles per hour. Change comes quick, and every change that God allows in this world has a purpose. So often the changes that come into our lives when all is said and done are some of the greatest gifts that God gives to us. We just don't always recognize it at the time. I'm not talking about a death of a loved one, although I know we can trust God during these times. But many of the things that happen in our lives, that changes that come, that we would fight against, end up becoming a gift from God. Multiple times in my life, God has brought a change that I did not want. Moving away from friends and family when I was a senior in high school. My parents moved from Texas to Indiana, and I had to leave behind all of my friends and start in a new school, in a new place, in a new town with kids that went to this Christian school all of their lives. And here I am coming as a, and as a senior, not knowing anybody. I didn't want to go. <laughs> But it ended up becoming one of the best things that ever happened to me in my spiritual growth. Leaving the churches and going to, having to move to go to another church. A loss of a relationship. Well, looking back, I see how God has protected and helped me toward a better things. I remember being crushed by a broken relationship only to see years later that God had really protected me by removing that relationship from my life. 
When God closed the door in California before we moved here, at the time I could not imagine the peace and happiness that we would find here in Michigan. Change, although difficult, sometimes can be the greatest gifts that we could ever see in our lives. Look a little lower in this chapter in verses 10 and 11. He says, I have seen the travail which God hath given to the sons of men to be exercised in it. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also he hath set the world in their heart, so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. God knows how to turn the pain of change into something beautiful. It reminds me of the song by Bill Gaither, It's Something Beautiful. Have you ever heard that song? Sing it with me if you know it. Something beautiful, something good. All my confusions, he understood. All I had to offer him was brokenness and strife, but he made something beautiful of my life. The verse says, if there ever were dreams that were lofty and noble, they were my dreams at the start. And the hope for life's best were the hopes that I harbor down deep in my heart. But my dreams turned to ashes, my castles all crumbled, my fortune turned to loss. So I wrapped it all in the rags of my life, and I laid it at the cross. Sing it with me. Something beautiful, something good. All my confusion, he understood all I had to offer him was brokenness and strife, but he made something beautiful of my life. And he wants to make something beautiful of your life. But changes will happen, and a heart comes with it, but it has a purpose. We just need to trust in the Lord and in his promises. Isaiah 43, 19 tells us, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall bring, spring forth, shall, not, shall ye not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. We go into those wildernesses sometimes thinking, What in the world are you doing, Lord? But he says, I will make a way in that wilderness and rivers in the desert. I'll take care of you. We just need to trust in him, not our own understanding. Amen. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not on thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. 
Which leads me to my next point. Number two, choose to trust. Choose to trust. Every day that we have is a gift from God. Old Testament scholar Jay Stafford Wright wrote, Man is to take his life day by day from the hand of God, realizing that God has fitting time for each thing to be done. When we look at life every single day, no matter what has happened the day before, as an opportunity that God has given us to do what he wants us to do and to do his will, our lives will change. The writer of Ecclesiastes says in the previous chapter, chapter 2, verses 24 and 26, you'd like to turn back just a little bit. It says, there is nothing better for a man that he should eat and drink and that he should make his soul enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw that it was from the hand of God. For who can eat and who else can hasten thereunto more than I? For God giveth to a man that is good in his sight wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner he giveth travail to gather and to heap up that he may give to him that is good before God. This also is vanity and vexation of the spirit. Later in chapter 3, verses 12 through 13, after the verses that talk about change, he says a very similar things where he says, I know that there is no good in them, but for a man to rejoice and to do good in his life. And also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all of his labor. It is the gift of God. No matter what changes may come, knowing that God has it under control. We can choose to trust in his unchanging hand. And we can, in our trust, just letter A, keep on working. Keep on working. The preacher, the writer of Ecclesiastes, tells us twice, once in chapter 2 where we just read, and once in chapter 3, that man is to enjoy the good of all of his labor. We just keep doing what we know is right. These verses come after all these changes that he talked about. If the world falls all around us, we're going to keep on doing what is right. Amen? One of the biggest struggles we have faced as a nation in the last decade is because too many stopped working when things seemed to fall, around, fall apart around us. I'm not going to get political, okay? I'm not going to get into a political discussion. I'm just saying... We saw what happens when everyone stops. When changes come, stay busy doing what you know is right. Keep working for the Lord. Why is it people tend to stop working for the Lord when changes come? The one part of stability in their life, why do they tend to run from that which never changes? They don't stop working in their job because they want to eat. <laughs> but yet they stop working for the Lord. But God's work is usually the first thing to go. They stop attending faithfully. They stop serving. Keep on working and just trust God. But also, letter B, keep enjoying life. Keep enjoying life. That's the other aspects of life that are around us, the gifts that God gives us. Just after all these changing situations that are mentioned in chapter 3, a time to be born, a time to die, etc., the preacher tells us that God turns everything beautiful in his time. In verse, then he, he tells us to keep rejoicing and doing good in verse 12. And then in verse 13, 
He continues his thoughts, saying that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all of his labor. It is the gift of God. Not only should we it's to keep continue working, but we ought to enjoy the benefits of that we receive from keeping on working. Amen. Don't let change steal your joy. We sometimes get so wrapped up and focused on the things that are changing that we miss the blessings that God is giving us in other areas of our lives. A man from the back mountains of Tennessee found himself one day in a large city for the first time standing outside of an elevator. And he was watched as an old haggard woman hobbled on and the doors closed. And a few minutes later, the doors opened and a young, attractive woman marched smartly uh, out and off. And the father hollered to his younger son, Billy, go get your mother. <laughs> That's not what we're talking about. But no, change is just a part of life. Enjoy the parts of life that God gives you. Whatever changes, God still brings the blessings along. Don't try to change it. Don't try to move, move it back to where it was. Realize that God has a purpose. He puts you in this position exactly where you are. As the saying goes, bloom where you're planted. Change is just a part of life. We can do nothing about it, so we might as well accept it. Just as the seasons around us change, so life changes. And fall comes and the beauty of autumn is all around us. And the cozy sweaters and the relaxing by campfires with warm drinks, it's enjoyable. When the seasons change to winter, new opportunities arise. And we can talk about the negatives of snow and all the things like that. But then warm fires get to move indoors. And we get to enjoy the scenery from the inside sometimes. But then we get to go outside too and enjoy some things that bring joy too. Like the sledding and the things that we enjoy in the winter. And beautiful white tapestries of snow everywhere we look. A nice warm bed on a cold night. There's nothing better, is it? Of course, it makes it harder in the morning to get up, but still. When the seasons change again and we feel the first ray of warm, warmth of spring, we see new life blooming all around us. And summer brings all sorts of activity and swimming and camp and vacations and etc. Each season of the year has its benefits. Yes, it has its downsides. It's too hot. It's too cold. It's whatever. But the joy that we receive will be based upon what we're focusing upon. Are we focusing on the hurt that the change brings? Or are we focusing on the blessings that God brings in the process? Will you focus on the negatives? Or will you pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and focus on the life that change can bring? Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you would bless us today. Encourage our hearts with what you have given us. Father, just a simple and, Lord, a quick sermon today just to focus on the fact that part of this life is change. It's amazing to me, Lord, how you who just never changes uses the changes of our lives that are brought in our lives to eventually benefit us in the end. You work all things out for good. We thank you, Lord, for you always having our best interest in mind. And the sinful world that we live in brings with it disaster and death. 
struggles. Things that would not be here had man not fallen to sin. But you have not just allowed us to struggle and wrestle in these things on our own. Instead, you use the changes that come, even the changes that are based upon this sinful world. And because of this sinful world, you use them and turn them to good, to help us, to grow us, to become more like you. Lord, help us not be resistant to your change, the change you want to bring in our lives. As we study this series in the coming weeks, Lord, I pray that you would help us, Father, to yield our hearts to your desires, to what you want. And I pray that you would guide and direct in all that we do. Be with us now today. In Jesus' name, I pray these things. Amen. Let's all stand together as we sing a verse of invitation. Uh, we're going to sing ver uh, page number 389. Is your all on the altar?